One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. <laughs> Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We've reached the end of another tumultuous week in the Independent Republic and once again, all of my predictions appear to be coming true. Prime Minister Theresa May uh, was defeated yet again uh, in the House of Commons last night when 66 Tories abstained on the Brexit bill, leaving the door open for a no-deal scenario and further confusing the burghers of Brussels who still claim they don't know what Britain actually wants. The real story today, though, is the revelation that I was entirely sure would be the case and that is, of course that it is uh, true there are now dozens of jihadi brides in similar positions to Shamima Begum who all want to come home and who are all expecting the taxpayer to foot the bill. Now that ISIS is crumbling around them, uh, they want to come home. Well, what a surprise. We don't want you. Yesterday we told you about the 19-year-old from Bethnal Green who wants to return to her family in London uh, where she can give birth to her third child on the NHS and live what she calls a quiet life. This despite her complete failure to condemn ISIS and the terrorist jihadi killers she has been living with for the past four years. Yesterday, I said I couldn't care less if she perished in the desert. Well, the same goes for the rest of them too. And I don't care whether Jacob Rees-Mogg thinks that she's entitled to a presumption of innocence until proven guilty. She's been organising terrorist activity. She's been with terrorist uh, killers. She has been watching as people get beheaded, as people get set on fire in cages. She is a despicable human being, and I don't want to see her nor any of her ilk any other jihadi brides back here at any time soon. 0344 Coming up later on, we'll have another sparkling edition of the Perrier Awards. Uh, of course, an homage to my brilliance in broadcasting, as we do every Friday. And we found hell, uh, or at least the entrance to it. Uh, so we're going to go and find this, see if we can uh, reserve a special place in it for Donald Tusk. 0344 You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So hardly surprising, is it, that the front pages of all the newspapers this morning have got a story of one kind or another uh, about Shamima Begum, the 19-year-old woman who is now currently in a refugee camp in Syria, uh, who was discovered, of course, by uh, an incredible enterprising reporter by the name of Anthony Lloyd from The Times, who was out there covering the story, discovered this girl from Bethnal Green. She's had two children already, both of whom have died of malnutrition. She's now pregnant with a third. She wants to come home. And, of course, Sajid Javid, quite, quite rightly, and luckily for me, because I'd like to see a Home Secretary taking a hard stance on this, has said, we will do everything in our power to stop her coming back to Britain. 
Whether he can stop her coming back to Britain remains to be seen. Let's talk to Will Geddes, security expert, of course, friend of the show, uh, a man who knows a fair deal about what's been going on with ISIS out there uh, in that terrible part of the Middle East, which has been rent asunder by these ghastly individuals. Will, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, Mike. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Now, I said yesterday, uh, if I was in a newspaper office right now, I would be finding out precisely how many uh, of these people are still out there and who want to come home. And as I predicted, there are quite a few, several dozen at least, uh, Brit jihadi brides. But I was also asking the question of how many people have already come home from that part of the world and have already been sort of repatriated to this country, despite the fact that they were living in uh, ISIS territory. Well, you could, uh, we could estimate the figures to be around about 700, Mike, right. and that's uh, kind of evenly divided between about 350-odd that the authorities are aware of. And these are individuals that have come back by their own volition for whatever reason that might be, uh, and there's approximated another 350-odd that they know have returned, but they do not know exactly where they are. Right. So, I mean, as far as where they are at the moment in terms of these refugee camps, ISIS, uh, and you'll know a bit more about this than than most, um, ISIS kind of on the ground is more or less a spent force now, isn't it? No, not really. I mean, again, there's there's a common misconception, Mike, right now that ISIS are diminished, uh, they're crushed, they're broken. But it's estimated they have probably in their war chest around about 200 million. Uh, They have a lot of money, they have a lot of capability, and they also have a lot of reach. So, One of the biggest concerns, and I know this from colleagues of mine who've been doing work in this area, is a lot of them are using these refugee camps to potentially re-infiltrate or extract from the local environment through inert means, if you want to call it, uh, back into Central Europe, back, and ideally, for for many of them, to the United Kingdom. So um, these refugee camps, they're not necessarily what one would perceive them to be. And yes, they have great intentions, the humanitarian support that they're providing, for the innocent, it's fantastic. But that's not to say that some of these Islamic uh, state fighters haven't inveigled and uh, secreted themselves in amongst those innocents. But let's go back to when these girls first went out there, right? There was photographic evidence, pictures of them going through an airport, you know, seemingly having packed their bags, having deliberately made a decision to go and live with the people that they wanted to live with, who they saw as heroes, you know, military kind of uh, uh, types who they were very much in admiration of, people who they believed had it right in the world, not uh, leaving a family that actually had it right by living and working in London and being good citizens of this country. They uh, took it upon themselves. I know they were only 15, but 15 years years of age in this day and age is now you know you're 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 pretty much doing everything you want to do when you're 15 and I don't agree that they were somehow groomed I think that they took the decision quite uh, evidently to go uh, to be part of something and they wanted to be part of something even now uh, this woman Begum does not say that she regrets any of it she does not say uh, that she uh, is, is very sorry that she decided to make a mistake like that her parents say she made a mistake but she's not showing any remorse at all is she no, none whatsoever. And I mean, in Anthony Lloyd's uh, quite uh, extraordinary interview that he's had with her, and this is backed up by the audio tapes which are doing the rounds on the media right now, is that she's stating very, very clearly she's got no remorse and she was fully aware of what she was getting herself into. And allegedly she was a straight-A student, so it wasn't that she was escaping from anything in particular. Yeah. Apparently she had a very normalised uh, home life, uh, good parents, and ultimately made a very free will decision to go out there. Now, what she's saying right now is, um, I, I am finding it inconvenient in terms of trying to raise my third child. The, the previous two obviously suffered from the lack of health care and uh, 
sophistication that there is in terms of being able to give birth or certainly to raise children. Uh, she now wants to come back and exploit the healthcare, and from a very basic point, a healthcare system which she has not contributed to for the last four years. Well, quite. And she also claims that she wants to live a quiet life, in her words. Now, you know, what also sickens me about this story is that she's had two previous children, both of whom died due to uh, complications around malnutrition in one way, shape or form. We don't know absolutely what happened, but she allowed two of her firstborn children to die. At no time during those processes did she think, maybe it's quite a good idea if I just come back to my family in London. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and I mean, and again, she's very, very cognizant and very aware and very clear in exactly her statement, certainly with Anthony Lloyd. Um, there are not, and I've, I've, I've worked alongside individuals that have been radicalised. I've worked with groups that do the de-radicalisation process. She is not giving any indicators, as far as I can see, Mike, from the, from the information that I've seen so far, from the audio reports that I've heard, of anybody that is under any other illusion other than my situation is now inconvenient down here in the caliphate. I want to come back to the sophistication that is afforded to me with the healthcare system and everything else that goes with it back in the United Kingdom. No, and exactly. I want to pull my nationality card. Quite right. And also, the other business that, that, that we do know about um, is that, you know, while they were there, while she said she didn't actually witness any beheadings, you know, she did walk past uh, at one point a bin uh, which had a severed head in it. I mean, I can't imagine what the kind of atmosphere was in the place where she's been living because it clearly wasn't as if she didn't know what was going on or what they were doing. Well, exactly. And the other concern for exactly that point, Mike, is uh, that she's inevitably been massively desensitised. And you can't operate in these kind of areas without being desensitised, particularly when you're seeing this stuff on a daily basis. I know that from having been involved in interesting operations overseas myself and also from colleagues of mine who've come back from tours of duty. Mm. But this is an individual that is coming back into the UK, which is going to drain resources here, both in terms of the radicalisation, the investigation and even possibly incarceration. But the greatest concern is you haven't got someone who's going, I'm remorseful, I've made a mistake, I was colluded into this situation and I'm recognising that I'm going to do everything I possibly can to counter what I've done. Now, there's been no admission by her, and I know those in the security services would want to rinse her of every scrap of intelligence that would potentially assist them in the battle against Islamic State. She's not making any admission that she's willing to do that necessarily. No, she really isn't. And what about um, the situation regarding uh, taxpayers' money and what Sajid Javid has actually said? He says he will do everything in his power to stop her uh, from coming home. But what can he actually do? Because I was reading a piece um, earlier on this morning in which it said if she manages to escape from this refugee camp in Syria and turns up in some British embassy somewhere, uh, we are duty-bound to take her in. Well, yes, if she does do that in her current status, obviously, that there is nothing within our, our law that makes it that easy to be able to re- remove someone's national status or their identity as a British citizen if they are a British passport holder, so to speak. But what he can do is he can impose what they call a temporary exclusion order. Now, this temporary exclusion order is not bulletproof by any shape. I mean, it is a, a legal tool that allows uh, basically the authorities to ensure that the individual cannot come back into the UK unless it's under certain specific conditions, which mm. would involve being collaborative in an investigation, sharing information, um, if possible, if required, the radicalisation if it's deemed necessary. But also the, the bit that really worries me, Mike, is the monitoring process. Mm. Now, we have an excess of 5,000 target subjects which are of concern to state security and our general well-being and safety. Yeah. Now, 
they are already overstretched in terms of the number of targets that they need to monitor. Why are we inviting someone else back that is going to only add to our taxpaying bill and stretch those resources even further? Well, also, I'm reading the Telegraph this morning that America is getting more and more fed up with the soft approach carried out by the UK in dealing with some of these returning terrorists, right, from uh, from ISIS, because they're talking about now taking them over to Guantanamo Bay uh, because they're fed up with us sort of not really stepping up to the plate, if you like, in terms of one monitoring and finding places for these people to come back to. Yeah, absolutely. But again, that's one step too far in my book, Mike. Mm. I mean, personally, I think that this whole discussion point of her return to the UK is massively conditional on her being tried within the jurisdiction she's committed these yeah. crimes. Now, I'm no lawyer, but I've certainly dealt with enough cases where people have got themselves into trouble overseas. If you commit a crime in another country, you are subject to local law. Yeah. So maybe we should be supporting and putting the investment, rather than in monitoring and de-radicalizing, uh, de-radicalizing uh, an individual uh, such as this woman, but actually put that investment into the Syrian court structure mm. to assist them in prosecuting individuals who are carrying out crimes down there, including our own nationals, if they have been involved in these cases. And lock her up over there, in other words, because, I mean... Well, they may go a little bit more extreme than that, Mike, but, hey, you make your bed, you have to yeah? sleep in it. Well, absolutely right. I mean, Jacob Rees-Mogg on Talk Radio this morning saying, well, of course, she's entitled to the uh, uh, innocent until proven guilty uh, situation. Well, I don't think she is, actually. You know, she knowingly was working within a structure, which is a terrorist organization. Organization. It's as simple as that. I mean, she has committed crimes, and we know that, surely. Well, I got a lot of responses off a tweet I put out yesterday, Mike, which was along the lines of whether you haven't been directly involved in a terrorist action, i.e. strapping a bomb to your chest or going out with an AK-47 and killing, killing innocent individuals. If you have housed, live with, collude with, love, support, or in other, uh, any other shape, support or resource someone who is carrying out these, and you're doing it willingly, then you, in my book, are a terrorist. Yeah, and I mean, one of the reasons why people are concerned that she comes back here and is not then properly punished uh, is a good example here. Somebody's actually tweeted this to me from the Birmingham Mail. A woman called Tarina Shaquille, I don't know if you remember her, in Birmingham, yeah. uh, came back here in 2016, having gone uh, to live in uh, one of the ISIS sort of territories, basically. She told her family she was going to Turkey on a beach holiday. She took her toddler into uh, the ISIS kind of heartlands, dressed him up. Uh, she was pictured holding machine guns, said she wanted to become a martyr and all of that. She was sentenced to uh, to something like uh, 10 years in jail, um, and she's just been released. Yeah, and, and we're having more and more of these individuals released. And what, again, we're, we're digging under the skin of, of the even greater problem that we're facing here, Mike, which is the fact that the de-radicalisation process isn't robust enough. Yeah. There is also radicalization that's taking place within British, the British jail and prison system. Yeah. So, you know, the, 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 the resolution of putting someone in, incarcerating them in prison isn't necessarily going to end that problem. All it does is necessarily delay it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the fact remains that she has been, uh, you were talking back about um, uh, this woman in question here, uh, Shamina Begum. You know, she has been consulting with terrorists. She has been in a terrorist cell. I mean, if she was not a British citizen, we would have absolutely no compunction about disallowing her from coming in here. You know, we have a right, surely, and a, rep- and, and, um, and a need to protect the British citizens of this country uh, who don't deserve to be blown up by people who want to blow them up. No, absolutely. And I mean, if we go back to World War II, if you'd gone off and joined the German army against uh, Britain, 
then if you came back to the UK, you would have been tried for treason. Yeah. And I don't think you would have seen any daylight for an awfully long time. Can we bring treason back? I mean, I understand that the death penalty still exists for treason in this country. I'm sure... I mean, I was amazed yesterday because so many people uh, in other forms of the media were picking up on what I said yesterday and running stories about, you know, radio host doesn't, doesn't care if this girl, you know, rots in the desert. Well, everybody agrees with me. I mean, I have the same attitude that practically everyone else in this country has, right? And people yeah. were surprised that I had it. And I'm like, well, why would you be surprised? Well, exactly. And I think uh, it's, again, which quarters are turning around with surprise on their face. Mm. I I think certainly from all the various polls, discussions and and everything else, not only on social media, but but elsewhere, I think 99% of the population are very much uh, adverse to this woman returning to the United Kingdom. And I think also this is a really important threshold for the government. For Sajid Javid, he knows that because this could set a precedent moving forward because... As Islamic State's positions diminish out in Syria and Iraq, there will be more returning jihadis and those that are supporting them. So, you know, if this matter isn't resolved in a really, really solid way, mm. then we could be opening up a, a real Pandora's problem, a Pandora's box of problems. Yeah, like. no, I totally agree. Will, thanks very much indeed uh, for spending some time with us. Will Geddes, their security expert, uh, telling us about how difficult it is uh, to keep a track of the people who are already here, who are already radicalised and who already may wish to do us harm. Why on earth would we import some more? I don't care whether they got British passports. They're not welcome here. They don't like it here. They left this country in order to go and join a death cult over in the Middle East, and they wanted to become martyrs. Well, then let them become martyrs. Put them all, you know, in a big room and let them all blow themselves up if they want to. But we don't want them back here, do we? 0344 499 1000 uh, is the number. This is Talk Radio. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 uh, Got loads of great tweets coming in at Talk Radio at IROMG. Uh, Jennifer says, there are so many young jihadist brides. I believe it was organised with full cooperation of their families, believing entirely in a world Islamic state. Remove them and their British flag-burning parents back to their homelands. Well, many of them, of course, were born here. Many of them, of course, are British citizens, and they can't be returned, really, to anywhere. Uh, Karen says this, the IS woman, surely if she returned to the UK, Social services would have to remove the baby from her anyway, or would they seriously consider her fit to be a parent? Best solution is for her baby uh, to be removed from her. If anything, bring the baby here and not her. Well, that's a very good point. You know, she's had two previous children who have died uh, over in ISIS territories, supposedly because of some kind of malnutrition problem. Let's talk to Ricky, who's in Glasgow. Hi, Ricky. Hello, mate. Good morning. Good morning. Very, very, very good morning. What do you want to say? Well, basically, uh, agreeing the point that. Uh, this woman is a British citizen and she's entitled to play the card that women have played for about well, thousands of years. Well, she was a British citizen. Whether she, st- whether she still is one, I would, frankly, I would strip her British citizenship away from her. Well, that's beside the point. That's not what we're discussing. Um, she is a British citizen and she's got her get-out-of-jail card. That is, that she's pregnant. So, as a British citizen, and as far as I'm concerned, the baby also... Uh, she's brought home for the baby's safety. If and the baby's delivered, you can't take the baby away from her. Why not? She's, she's, not a fit, she's not a fit mother, is she? How, she? how can she be a fit mother? She's been living in a terrorist training camp, right? She's had two previous children who she has allowed to die. How on earth do you make that a fit mother? 
Well, first of all, prove that she, she allowed him to die. Well, they're the dead. There's the proof. Out. What much yeah, more proof do you need? The point here is she's got, she's got the baby's milk, so you don't separate them. Um, That's ridiculous. That's totally mad, Ricky. You've gone mad. Mother. You've lost you the plot. You can, you can shoot the mother. You've okay. lost the plot. I don't want to shoot anybody, Ricky. She's the one that she's the one that wants to shoot people, Ricky. Yeah, well, she's not saying she's doing that now. And I'm saying right. to you, you're going to have to show some mercy here. Why? For the, the, the get, the get, All right. What mercy was woman, there? What mercy was shown to the young children? Old. Hang on, Ricky. What mercy was shown to the young children at Manchester Arena who were blown to smithereens um, by somebody like her? Yes, absolutely. Any mercy? No. No, no, they showed no mercy, so we'll do the same, shall we? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Thank God we finally agreed on something, Ricky. I'm going to talk to Susan now and get somebody sensible on. Susan, a very good morning to you. Well, good morning, darling, but I don't think you'll you'll think much of me this morning because... What's that? I'm going going to say something to you. These girls are 15. They're they're almost prepubescent. Rubbish. And when... Michael, please. It's rubbish. When you're... When you're 15, you start falling in love with, with pop stars and stuff like that. Yeah, you're well, that's what most 15-year-olds do. You're but this one people. fell in love with a man with a gun who wanted to blow up yeah. half the world. Yeah, because he he won her round. He took her to bed and told her he loved her and everything. And you, well, you this is not a love he, story, he, Susan. He, it is. That's how it started. And he took her to bed and he fed her all this, that and the other. He brainwashed her rubbish. in the process. That's rubbish. No, it's not. She flew <laughs> over there with the full knowledge of what she was doing, OK? No, you can't. Not when you're 15. She was a child, Michael. That's not true. She was... It is. No, I'm not having well, it. OK, if you say she can't come here, she's a British citizen, what the hell do you think she sh- what should happen to her? Where do you think she should go? Well, I like she Will Getty's idea. I like Will Getty's idea. Let her stand trial in Syria, where they do have mm. the death penalty, and if she's found guilty mm. of terrorist offences, then I'm afraid uh, it's cheerio. Anybody or cut heads off? He did that. You don't know he that. Didn't. You don't know that. She could be an accessory to murder. She could be any number of things. The point is, she is not an innocent. She has been working and living uh, and doing the bidding for terrorists. Okay, simple as that. Well, uh, I mean, uh, you, what? So you know, I'm you right, Susan. She, you don't think she should be allowed back into no. the country where she was born? No, she I don't. Was born here? No, I don't. She took the opportunity to be brought up in this country and then threw well, it back in our faces and left to go and work for a barbarous well, and ghastly organisation which likes to set fire to people in cages. Do you understand I that? I do. It's horrible. It's too evil to mention. It is. But I still think she was the child and that man who had sex with her, Jago, her husband, he should be put on trial for paedophilia well, because she was a child. That's another story altogether. But we're talking about her and we're talking about her ilk and people like her and they chose to leave this country. They chose to chuck it away and they're not welcome back. It's as simple as that. Susan, thanks for your call. 0344-499-1000. You know I'm right here. There is absolutely no chance that you can convince me of any other method uh, of punishment for this woman. She does not deserve rehabilitation. She does not deserve another chance. She does not deserve uh, to get her life back in London just because she wants it. I'm afraid not. No, thank you. Nine danker. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, we're always encouraging our children uh, to get involved. We're always telling them that they should learn more and more about the world around them. We're always telling our teachers that they should be educating our kids and making them more aware of what is going on. You might also say that when you're a young person, you should probably be quite left-wing. You should probably uh, sort of uh, uh, embrace all sorts of left-wing ideals, and you should be idealistic. It's a great time to be idealistic. When you get a bit older, uh, you can be less idealistic, a bit more practical. But right now, there are thousands of kids, all eco-conscious youngsters they're being called, demonstrating against climate change. And we've got a talk radio reporter up in Leeds with them. Nathan Sandu uh, is there for us. Nathan, a very good afternoon. Welcome. How are you? You're all right? Yeah, very well indeed. How, how's it looking up there? It's a nice day, luckily. The sun's shining down here anyway. Yeah, is it? Uh, is it well attended? I mean, yeah, it is. The sun's shining on steps of uh, the town hall in Leeds. I mean, there's hundreds of uh, pupils, parents, uh, students here, um, you know, all ga- kind of gathered for uh, this mass protest over climate change. Yeah, OK. Um, how, I mean, what's the sort of average age? Or are there kids of all ages there? Uh, all, of all ages. I mean, I've spoken to youngsters as young as five, um, and I've also spoken to um, like older, older generation as well. Um, so, I mean, it's a full range of people. OK. And any particular sort of uh, colours that you're seeing out there? I'm looking at some pa- pictures of people um, in Edinburgh with painted faces and all sorts of banners and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's, um, a lot of placards uh, out. Uh, I mean, some of the ones of no, I mean, there's climate emergency. We aren't the victims, we are the issue. Uh, cancel the extinction. So I think uh, people have kind of come out with uh, specific uh, points to raise. Um, I'm, and I think this is the this is the way they're, they're expressing their feelings. Okay. Well, the next question I'm going to ask is who exactly are they protesting against? But I think you've got one of the organisers there, Lydia. Could I speak to her and find out what it is that they're who it is they're actually protesting to? No, she's just here with me. Okay, Lydia. Hello, Lydia. Hi, Hi Lydia. How are you? Hi. I'm great, thank you. Excellent. Now, listen, this all sounds like a very jolly event. It sounds a great idea. We're all saying that young people should be more politically aware. They should get more involved in, in their sort of world around them and all that. But who, who are you actually protesting against here? I think we're protesting against all the grown-ups that are meant to be fixing the planet, that are meant to be running the planet right. for the benefit of everyone else. And that are really not. We're not seeing any of the changes being made that we need to see for, to try and reverse this climate breakdown. Breakdown is a new word. I haven't heard that one before. Yeah, well, it is. We're, we're, we're already seeing it. We're already seeing the climate breaking down. I think climate change has been a word that's been thrown around for so long. It's a very vague term. People don't really understand what it means. 
But what we're actually seeing is complete climate breakdown that's going to be followed by ecological breakdown. When you say followed by ecological breakdown, what do you mean by that? We're already seeing um, drastic reductions in insect populations and they're really the sort of the bottom of the ecosystem and then it's just going to work its way up. We're all, and I guess we're also seeing it working its top down. We're losing, we've lost 60% of biodiversity like over the, over, over the past few years. So what do you um, think is going to happen in, say, in the next 10 years? The next 10 years are really when we need to be making drastic changes because we need to be making complete system changes. No, no, I know that. But, but, but what do you think, if we don't do that, what do you think will happen in the next 10 years? If, if, we, don't, uh, if we don't do that, we're going to see a drastically different world. We're going to see a world that we currently read about in dystopian novels um we're going to see millions and millions of climate refugees of homes have been either flooded or are are so dry that they have no access to water we're going to not we're going to lose our ability to grow food in 90 percent of on 90 percent of the planet we're going to lose our ability to live on at least half of the planet you think that it's going to happen in 10 years that that is what the um the so the paris um the ipcc report is saying that within 12 years, 12 years is termed year zero. So 12 years is when we're not going to be able to go back um, and fix any of the problems. So over the next 10 years, we're definitely going to see drastic, drastic changes in... But you're telling, you're you're expecting me to believe that in 10 years' time, half of the planet will be uninhabitable. Maybe not in ten years oh. exactly, but we're going to oh. we're going to be seeing it. We're going to be seeing it starting. We're going to be seeing it displacing thousands and thousands of people. We're going to lose food. We're going to lose resources. Right. So, what do you want to be done then in the, say the next two years? In the next two years, we really need to be reducing our reducing our fossil fuel consumption by at least fifteen percent a year. Um, we want. We need to be seeing people. People. We need to be seeing the people in charge telling the truth about. Ah, that's a tough call. That one. You get a, a very good luck with that. Well, that, that's that's half the reason we're here protesting today. That's part. That's that's one of our main demands is that we are told the truth about what's happening. Well, what do you think is is, is what what lies do you think we're being told then? Already, we're we're seeing that the media is really not talk. Maybe in the last year, it uh-huh. it started up, but before that, the media sort of start like we're never talking about climate change, and we've been talking we about it for a long time. Be. No, we've been talking about yeah. it for a long time. Yeah, we've been, so we've been talking about it. We've been throwing around this word climate change and this vague sort of dark future that we're seeing but they're not saying that we're seeing it happening now it's this futuristic idea um that that's what's being said in the media and really it's not it's, it's all sounding a bit woolly now. if you if, if you forgive me for saying so lydia you don't seem to know what you want at this point you don't you, know, you haven't got any specifics we don't have any specifics and that has been a criticism of this whole movement and i would say to that is 
we don't have any specific requirements because we've never faced anything like this before. We don't know exactly how to face Well, there was the Ice Age, wasn't there? such a novel... It's such a novel challenge that we're... It's such a novel disaster that we're facing. I see. I think you're worrying too much. I think you're worrying all those children there are getting worried about a dystopian future in 10 years, which is quite upsetting for some people, isn't it? I I think it is upsetting, and I think we should all be more upset. But at the same time, I think a protest like this is also very hopeful. It's It's giving us all... A, something to fight towards that's bigger than ourselves. Okay. And I think that's I think that's very that's that's definitely given. So me a I lot mean, should we all give up something? Do you like, think? So should we all give up maybe a car? Just don't go in cars anymore. No more mobile phones. Yeah. I, well, I think mobile mobile phones. Not so. I don't think are so much the issue. But well, they um, are. Because you you know you, you need you need horrible uh, lithium batteries to charge them, which are indescribably difficult to recycle. You need you need an awful lot of battery power to charge them. Yeah, no, that's true. I think there are a lot of bigger. Um, oh, so you could keep the, the phone. Things then. are the cars and the fossil fuels. All right. I think meat and dairy as well. Reducing our meat and dairy consumption vastly. Driving electric cars. Well, people are starting to do that. They really are. Listen, Lydia, good luck with it. Thank you very much indeed. Lydia is an organiser of the protest. I'm not quite sure who they're protesting against or what, in fact, they're protesting about. Uh, but thank you very much indeed. Let's talk to Dan, who's in Portsmouth. Hello, Dan. Hello, mate. You kind of stole the thunder, but I'll go on anyway. <laughs> We've got to stop giving these kids platforms. This Lydia is a great... Oh, I don't mind giving them a platform. They sound, they sound no, ridiculous, no, but- Dan. I tell you why, this Lydia is a great example as to why kids shouldn't get the vote. All right, look, you touched on it. If they, if they want to do something, let's see what they want to do. How about I'll read this out to you? I've just written. Sure. Tell you what we'll do: when you get home, chuck out all your plastic products into a recycling bin. No more unnecessary Xbox playing, as this uses too much electricity. For the younger ones, you only get recycled toys or wooden toys from now on at Christmas. And as right. for McDonald's, forget that. If you don't, if you know anything, you know about deforestation and beef products. Yeah. Beef, beef, beef production. Well, she doesn't want you eating any uh, any meat products. I'm right, afraid. Right, So vegetables for all these kids from now on. For the lucky ones that go on holiday, forget forget the hot spots. You're going to Skegness next year, all right? So you'll enjoy that, and and, and you all walk in the school from now on. Right. They, 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 she wants to keep the phone the though. She wants to keep the phone. Oh, yeah. Of course they do. They won't do anything. They're not going to give up any of their little luxuries. They're a load of kids that just want to have a jolly up on a day off school. It's as simple as that. I find it astonishing that they've been allowed to have a day off school. I mean, you know, they should be being fined or something, shouldn't they? Uh, you say that. I've got to say, Mike, if I'd been 15 today, I wouldn't have been at school either. But I wouldn't have been <laughs> running around making it. <laughs> That's known as the Alan Brazil manoeuvre, right? You don't work the day before you go on holiday. <laughs> no, I just think it's nonsense. People aren't prepared to do what's really necessary, but they're prepared to lecture other people on what they've got to do. Well, it's like, all very well. I mean, you can, you, can, you can protest as many cities of this country as you like, but, I mean, the truth of the matter is you need to go to places like India uh, and China exactly. where they are committing, exactly. you know, climate change horrors every single day of the week where they're putting up, you know, coal-fired power stations where they've got more air conditioning units now in Bombay uh, than in the whole of the New York State. 
Exactly. The things we do, it might make you feel good, but it's not going to make the slightest change, not the slightest bit of difference when you've got uh, huge, huge industrial nations like that that are just basically just entering into the industrial revolution. Yeah. It's not going to happen. But also, do you know what it is as well? It's this whole idea that, you know, well, we must have a perfect future. It's like all these people that don't want to leave the European Union for some bizarre reason because they go, oh, it might all go horribly wrong. Well, guess what? We're talking about the future here. You cannot guarantee what is going to happen. Well, today, you, you, you are a bit of a genius, and today you've done two things that prove a point, and that is two things in your show today prove that kids at 16 should not get the vote. And that's one, <laughs> the terrible decisions this woman's made going, back from the, for, going off to be an ISIS bride, and two, Lydia, who wants to not go to school for the day, she won't give up her mobile phone. You know, yeah. it's late. Stop I know, it's brilliant, isn't it? Absolutely fantastic. Dan, thank you very much indeed. Dan uh, from Portsmouth. Uh, there's a song about somebody called Lydia, I think. I'm going to have to find that. Uh, Lydia O. Lydia, I think it starts. Anyway, uh, here's one from SMG Matt. He says, walking out of class to protest on climate change after being dropped to school in mummy's 4 by 4 and having their phones and iPads on the charge all night. David says, brainwashed kids will soon be upset when there's no electricity to charge their mobile phones. Well, it's all true, I'm afraid. Lorraine says, in my day, kids were seen and not heard. Uh, OK, I'm just kidding. Uh, or am I? And Blue Moon says, Lydia has no idea what they're protesting about, clearly. And Pete says, are the school kids walking or cycling to their climate change demonstrations? John, uh, so kids being off school for an educational holiday is unacceptable, uh, but being off for a questionable cause is fine. Double standards, it seems. Yeah, I asked if I could take my kids out of school uh, once to, so they could visit their granny uh, in America who was, suffer- who was uh, celebrating her 90th birthday, and they said no. But it's all right if you want to go and protest climate change. That's not a problem at all. Unbelievable, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. It's Friday, it's 12.32, it's time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. This is new music. Stop it. (laughs) Well, you know, every week I hear it sounds new. Maybe it's, it's just like the Oscars theme or something. It is a bit like that, yeah. Yeah. They're not having a host at all, are they? No. Don't play that. I am available. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a lot cheaper than a Ricky Gervais <laughs> yeah. as well, and not quite so objectionable. Uh, anyway, uh, Cornelius, the producer of this fine show, is here uh, once again uh, to uh, present me with uh, what can only be described as some great broadcasting awards, aren't you? Mm, only is an interesting phrase. Okay. Uh, but yes, welcome to another sparkling edition of the Perry Awards, where every Friday afternoon we look back over the past week mm. at the so-called Independent so cool. Republic of Mike Graham and choose our favourite moments. Uh, so let's find out who our lucky winners are yes, this let's. week. Uh, as is tradition, Mike, you're our first winner. Thank goodness. Uh, the first Perry you've picked up is the award for sassiest comment. Well, we do, we do. No, but all so right, how is that a yardstick then? No, no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. All, 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 I'm all hanging on, Michael. I'm on the other end of the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. He was quite feisty, that guy, wasn't he? Yeah. Was he, who was he? Was he the education bloke? Uh, I cannot you can't remember. can't remember, can you? No. Hopeless. Well, at least you got his name right. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> that was two weeks ago. There you go. <laughs> uh, Tom Tugendhat, MP, uh, wins the Clean Language Award for definitely not swearing at the end of this sentence. Our aircraft carriers and our, and our embassies, um, you know, not just aircraft carriers, of course, but troops training are, you know, all kinds of ships. All kind of ships. He yes, that's ch- what I thought he said. Chatting ships. Then. Yeah, I didn't um, think we had that many all kinds of ships in the Navy. I thought we just had a few kind of, you know, warships. Yeah, all kinds of apparently. Okay. Ro- rowboats, everything. Ferries. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Caller Harry in Portsmouth now wins the period for setting the scene, for creatively painting a picture in the mi- in our minds uh, from where he's calling. Oh, yeah. 20, 25 years ago, yeah. they started off on these motor... These, I'm on a train at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, uh, that Dom Jolly thing, isn't it? Yeah. No, I can't oh, yeah. tell. Hello? I'm on the phone. Uh, uh, the Blankety Blank Award now. This goes to Dr. Linda Papadopoulos for steadfastly just blanking what you're saying and carrying on. You know, you can train your brain to kind of seek out happiness. I, and yeah, I've always thought there are happy people and unhappy people. There, well, um, there and, are. And there one are. of the good things to do is to... research that I always quote, because sort of that looks at lottery winners. <laughs> we don't need you here, Mike. She, no, I mean, we'll <laughs> just get the guess-ups and let she them can do a, She can do a marathon show, that woman. <laughs> yeah. um, you again now, Mike. Mm. It's the surprise admission of the week. Now, we're always hearing how terrible and ghastly and awful it is inside the prisons of this country. I haven't been to prison in this country. I'm very happy to uh, admit to you here on national radio. <laughs> people said, uh, I got a couple of tweets in from people saying, have you been in prison abroad? Exactly. It's that in this country does, you know, the caveat, it has a story behind it. Well, the it, only I reason feel. I said that is because I've done stories in prisons in other countries. Ah, I see. That's what I kind of meant. But ah. as ever, it was not very well um, elucidated. No, uh, we had a brand new caller who we've actually just heard from again, Vernon in Worcester, oh, yeah. uh, very welcome on the show. He wins uh, Subliminal Advertiser of the Week for sneakily managing to promote a popular fast food chain. Of course. And I think that's, that's a thing. John McDonald, how dare he? <laughs> very good. Well done. Uh, Councillor Peter Fleming opened up his interview with a bit of a joke and it won him the PC Gone Mad Award. Uh, Peter, very good morning to you, welcome. Morning, Mike. I was just thinking we should re-record that song, My Old Man's A Waste Operative. Not <laughs> uh. <laughs> <Well>, that funny, <laughs> no, really. I, no, well, you seem to enjoy well, it. Well, I was having a bad day, <laughs> so I was quite pleased to have some lighter uh, moments. Uh, a joint award now for you and Colonel Bob Stewart MP, Mike. Uh, you guys win Echo of the Week Award. Colonel Bob Stewart, MP uh, for Beckenham. Colonel Bob, very good morning to you. Good afternoon, I Hello, should say. Hello, Mike. Good, Thanks. good morning. Thanks. Good afternoon, actually. No, I know, I'm completely confused. <laughs> We're all confused. That was hopeless, wasn't it? Uh, always, like, every 12 o'clock that yeah, happens that's every great. day. Um, this week's impression of the week, after a couple weeks at the top spot, Mike, I'm afraid Andre Walker has Ooh, knocked you off the top really? spot for his take on Sir Vince Cable on The Breakfast Show this morning. I find listening to Vince Cable just depressing. I mean, it's just so... so. Uh, we've tried our best to get a deal, but it's totally impossible. We can't be independent. We can't do a trade deal with anyone. <laughs> That's, That's hopeless, isn't same. it? That is hopeless. <laughs> it's his normal voice. Um, and finally, one it's last... It's a bit harsh doing an impression of somebody who's just been on the show, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go on, do your best, Lydia. No, don't. No, I'm not going. <laughs> and finally, one last perrier for you this week, Mike. Uh, congratulations uh, when speaking about the Bethnal Green Girl who wants to return from Syria for managing to sneak in the pun of the week. She's described her life there as relatively normal, right? Despite the fact that she saw a severed head in a bin. <laughs> I mean, you know, Hello. <laughs> She's probably got a waitrose just down the road and, you know, a gym and everything. Yeah, but right. anyway, um, Jim the, Addy. the thing is... <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was quite good, actually. You couldn't let it go. <laughs> quite a... Jim Addy. Uh, that's it for that's the Fair Awards. Uh, they'll be back soon. The Perrier Awards on Talk Radio.
We are now going to go back into the vaults of history just before the show comes to an end and uh, Jamie East comes in for one o'clock. We're going to speak to our favourite historian, uh, Rebecca Rydell, uh, who's here to tell us all about hell. Because you might remember a couple of weeks ago, Donald Tusk said there was a special place in hell for all of those Brexiteers who decided to organise Brexit without having any idea of where to actually go with it. Uh, so we're going to now suggest that maybe Donald Tusk would like to pay a visit uh, to the Derbyshire-Nottinghamshire border to a place called Creswell Crags, where apparently hell has an opening. Uh, Rebecca, a very good afternoon to you. <laughs> Hi, um, nice to speak to you. Yeah, very nice to speak to you. Now, I thought, who could we talk to about this story? Because apparently uh, this was believed, this Cresswell Crags, which is being variously called Robin Hood's Cave uh, or a sort of a witch's coven of some kind, people actually believe this to be the entrance to hell. Well, that's certainly what the headlines are saying, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah um, well, I, I, it seems that um, some markings have been recently announced, I'll say, because they have obviously been there for a long period of time. Um, And these markings seem to have... seem to be witches' marks or apotropaic marks. Easy for you to say. What is is apotropaic? What is that? Apotropaic marks. They're basically marks that are um, placed in places where... um, evil or, or, or bad spirits, that okay. kind of thing, right. um, are viewed to maybe possibly enter, so above doors or um, fireplaces. Mm. And in this case, we see it in caves as well. But it's to basically to ward off evil um, and um, bad spirits. And okay. that's what these marks are. So I think um, a, a collection of these marks have been announced within these caves. There's an awful um, lot of them. I'm just looking at the pictures now. I mean, they're quite, quite remarkable, really, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I've, I've been looking at the pictures as well, and they do look they do look incredible. And um, but one of the interesting things I think about these types of markings and markings more generally is if you go to any any historical location, any old castle, and um, you know caves that are um, visited quite frequently, you'll quite often find graffiti um, within these caves because whatever these markings are, whether they're witches' marks or initials, it's, it is graffiti and. Um, because you know it's it's graffiti on on a wall, and um, but you'll 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 find these markings in loads and loads of locations. So it's um it's quite the fun thing to do if you're if you're you know that way inclined going to visit old old um castles and that type mm. of thing to have. A well, look I love going things. to places that, that, that have got a bit of a story, you know, because even as much as castles are great fun to go around, they're much more fun if there's a sort of a dungeon in there or there's you know somebody somebody was murdered there. Do you know what I mean? I mean, people just have a kind of <laughs> thirst for for that kind of. I don't know if it's because of the bloody nature of of, of history shows that we've now got used to seeing, but <laughs> I mean, I love the fact that. Um, there's so many of these witches' marks, and they're all supposedly from what the 18th or 17th century. They seem to be saying. Yeah, supposedly. I mean, that's I, I've I've been looking at the um, announcement today and and the information there. But there have been there have been other commentators talking and looking at these marks previously. And um, I was reading um, an article um, just earlier on today, actually, that was basically explaining that the location where these markings have been found mm. um, was actually blocked up um, for much of much of history so i think a, a, around the mid to late 19th century it was unblocked and um, right. during excavation so these markings might actually be from a bit later but um i'm not an expert on the dating of these markings so i wouldn't i wouldn't say either way but it's interesting and i think the story is not necessarily about the dating of these markings it's mm. more it tells us more about human nature and how we and even today if you think about it, when humans see it 
see a magpie, for example, or, um, you know, we we have these little traditions and superstitions that we still use and do today. And these markings are kind of, well, they do tap into that long history of human superstition. Well, you know, we're not that far away when I talk about our political kind of environment that we're currently in. Uh, For example, somebody comes up and paints a big X on your your door for Brexit. You know, oh, look, there's a Brexiteer, put a big X on the door. You know, that kind of, I mean, that's kind of where we are now. We've gone back to sort of superstition and, and mistrust and distrust and all of that. Well, uh, yeah, I'd, but I, I'd argue that it's always it's always been there, and you yeah. find it it, it it pops up in many different guises. I mean, you, you have religious traditions and superstitions. If you think about the Catholic, uh, Catholic, um, you know, doing the sign of the cross, yeah. and, and we have, I think it is human nature to have these have these traditions, and quite often as well, you'll have you'll have news stories like this that will pop up about things that have been discovered. And I, I say that in inverted commas mm. because, as I said, they have been there for a long time. Um, you know, cats, dried cats, dead cats being found in old buildings that were there, placed there to ward off spirits. Um, I was looking at some news articles recently and there was a couple of chess pieces that were found in Skegness, I believe, right. that um, were placed within the walls of a building to ward off evil spirits as well. So it's just, a, it, I think it's an interesting part of human nature and i certainly do the um the the rhyme with with magpies i don't i don't know why i do but <laughs> i well, do yeah. and I, you know i'm not particularly superstitious but mm. i do but it is just, you know it's one of those things funnily that. enough that you go apart from you know whenever i go to america i always marvel at the the, the the sort of the ancient nature of our country because we've got all this heritage and all this history and somewhere like the united states of america aside from kind of the old kind of um uh, east coast places in new england where they were had their own version of witches and, and all the rest of it there's not an awful lot of history there you know particularly not history you can go and look at well obviously there's native american history um which stretches back thousands and thousands of years Yeah, but there's not really but in- you know there's not places you can really go and look at that do you know what i mean um, well, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know because I haven't, I haven't visited those locations um, myself. But um, it, it's, it, we do we certainly um, in Britain, we do, we do, and you know, in most places there is history that you kind of, we just, we just uh, t- not take for granted. But it's, we're so surrounded, and in all countries, everywhere is surrounded by by history. But I think because we're so often just going about our day to day business, we forget to kind of look up and appreciate what, you know, the history exactly. beneath our feet and around us. And, and this is just another example, I suppose, of, of um, drawing attention to, to a bit more yeah. history. And it's, um, th- and it's said to be Robin Hood's cave as well. Is that, is that just sort of something that's in the myth of Robin Hood? Or is it is it thought to be a place that he spent time in? I'm not sure, to be perfectly honest. I'm not sure. But there is, I mean, Robin Hood, you, it, it's it's in Nottinghamshire, so um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a if there's a link there. Mm. Um, but I'm I'm not sure. But Robin Hood's name is used quite frequently in lots of different places. I mean, there's, even in um, North Yorkshire, there's Robin Hood's Bay as well. So, well, that's it. I mean, there's a bit of a yeah. dispute about that, isn't there, about whether he was actually in Sherwood Forest or whether he was from somewhere else. Yeah, or, you know, who who was he? Or was he actually <laughs> anybody at yeah. all? No, absolutely right. Well, listen, Rebecca, lovely to talk to you again. Thank you very much. Have you got any projects in the offing that you can tell us about? Um, not that I can speak about right now, but they're always doing history-type things, so, yeah. Good. All right, well, we'll come back to you on that. Uh, Rebecca Rydall there telling us all about this fantastic story uh, about these caves that they've discovered all these marks in uh, somewhere up in um, uh, the border between Nottinghamshire and Derbyshire, supposed to be the entrance to the gates of hell. Uh, that's what they all thought. Uh, would it be great uh, if it turned out to be true? Because we could send Donald Tusk there. I'm surprised uh, you could also, if you wanted to have a bit of a, a funny afternoon, you could decide to nominate people to go there. I'm sure that that would be a very good list of uh, names. 
Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.